Welcome to Come and See, your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. With host and founder, Richard Case, and co-host and retreat leader, Kathy Riccone. Today is our special guest day, where we will hear from a friend of the ministry who will share their insight and stories on truth in this chaotic world. And now your host, Richard Case. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Today is our guest day, uh, Thursdays, and uh, we're really excited uh, to have our guest, uh, Jeff Hutchins. Um, He's the head of a ministry called The Remnant, uh, which is kind of dear to Kathy and I because uh, we talk a lot about that um, Mm -hmm. as we, uh, and by the way, we're going to have a a session soon, uh, what we call Overview of the End Times, and start talking about that uh, periodically and uh, start to give some insight about uh, when Jesus says, hey, we're supposed to watch the signs. Uh, well, there's signs. Uh, so it'll be fun to, to process. And, and when, when we get into it, Jeff, by the way, it's uh, what does the word have to say? What does it say? What doesn't it say? So we try not mm-hmm. to overinterpret things or to make a statement of it's this way. It's just, well, here's what the word says. So this is all we can you know understand and receive. So it'll be, it'll be kind of fun. Uh, but Jeff, it's uh, great to have you today. Uh, uh, and one of the things that I got, I got a neat uh, experience that actually happened to me yesterday. Uh, Jeff is a, and you can, we want you to share a little bit about this, is a uh, uh, a 1A uh, college ref for football. Uh, so in the fall, he's got to go Friday night, go to the game and come back Saturday night or Sunday morning. Uh, so we'd love to have you talk about, but hey, Jeff. Yeah, yes- my kids would love to hear about that. Yes. <laughs> uh, yesterday, Jeff, I became a ref. So <laughs> well, tell me about that. Yeah, what, okay. What okay. So I go to my wife and I go to my uh, grandson's volleyball game. He's in high school. He's, he, he plays for Valor, which is a Christian school here. Uh, and he was playing a, a volleyball game against Regis. Uh, and it was at Regis. Uh, so and Regis is a Catholic uh, school. So we're sitting there in the seats. And uh, the head guy comes over and says, hey, our ref didn't, one of our refs didn't show up. I need a, I need somebody to volunteer as a ref. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and I, I say nothing, you know, I'm looking around, you know, like, I wonder who, I wonder who will volunteer, you know, for that activity, you know, and my, and my wife, Linda, who's who we call Lucy Ricardo. She's she says, oh, better than that. <laughs> she said, she says, he'll do it. And I look at her like, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, you do it. You know, hey, everybody, my husband's going to do it. And so everybody around me claps, you know, hey, way to go, you know, and she volunteers me to, and the guy says, here, come with me and I'll show you, you know, I got to give you the rules. Uh, and, and, you, and, and this is interesting about, you know, refing, as you know, there's rules and you got to follow, follow the rules. <laughs> and he said, well, the first thing I got to do is tell you the rules. Okay, what are the rules? You know, and then, okay, now this is how I want you to ref and this is how it's going to go. And you got you got how'd do you do um i did actually very well um uh in volleyball it's pretty simple it's it's kind of in or out you know uh the guy faults or not the guy touches the ball or not you know so and i have a flag and he says you got to signal with your flag and, and that's the key that's the hardest thing to do is remember what <laughs> what were the signals again <laughs> this way this way you know it's, it's yeah. really it's really funny so anyway i became a ref uh, for a day and uh, well good for you it's it's normally not as easy as it looks and you know people think god oh, we just go out there and do it really easy if you saw the amount of time i put into it it's uh it's pretty crazy but it's a lot of fun you know honestly the the truth behind my officiating you know this and this is part of my testimony is is god called me in a very specific way he said to me I want, my purpose for you is to unite develop and mobilize leaders around the world to utilize their time, talent, and treasure to advance my kingdom. He said, that's Mm. why I put you on planet Earth. And so you might ask the question, okay, if that became my filter, how in the world does football officiating fall into that category of purpose? And and what I I discovered in my life, and maybe you guys can relate to this, is because I was in ministry, quote-unquote full-time ministry, I found myself around believers all the time. And that's Mm. the only people I was around. I was surrounded. I was in this cocoon of believers. And I really felt like that uh, that I wasn't 
um, kind of reaching out my arms as it relates to an evangelistic outreach to, to those that are lost. And so um, working in the officiating community and college football at a high level, let's just say you meet all types uh, from all faiths, including those that have none. Yeah. And uh, so it's mm-hmm. been an, a great opportunity for me to build relationships with guys uh, outside of my safe Christian bubble. To share truth with so that's uh that's the thing i find the most pleasure out of, of officiating. that's awesome can i ask you a, a question that i'm asking purely on behalf of my boys sure um who are big football fans best game you've ever officiated what was your favorite one you know the best game uh the best game for me is always the rival games mm-hmm. um and i would say the most electric atmosphere that i've had the opportunity to officiate was um byu against utah Oh, nice. Yeah, they call that the holy war. So I think that's appropriate <laughs> for our conversation today. Uh, I love you know, it. You have, these, you have these two Mormon schools that literally hate each other. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of interesting. Let's see. How, 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 how does that work? Uh, uh, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 uh, it's almost as interesting as a Protestant like yourself being asked to officiate a Catholic volleyball game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's a stranger, but I tell you, you know, um, nothing against our Mormon brothers and sisters, but I've heard more vile things come out of the the mouths of BYU fans than in most <laughs> secular schools. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you ever game. officiated in the Air Force Academy games? I know yeah, quite a bit. Okay. My yeah. husband went to the Air Force Academy. Okay. Yeah, yeah quite Played a bit. Played football for him his freshman year, but mostly on the sidelines. So. <laughs> Fantastic. What's we'll do another mo- episode on the on the lessons that life taught me on or the lessons that God taught me on a football field. Maybe that's that'd a- be great. What's be great. The, what's the most uh, what's the most difficult uh, you know in your job? What's the, what what has been the most interesting or difficult thing you've had to be part of when you were obviously you know because you're you're uh, you're trying to call the rules as they stand and that it creates situations. So what what uh, situation did you wind up in that's been memorable for you? You know, the, the most challenging typically are when you're dealing with uh, with coaches. Literally, the crowd. <laughs> we could have eighty. I believe 000. that. Yeah, you can have eighty thousand people in the stands, and it's kind of weird because you get you get in this place where you don't really hear it. You don't hear it, and uh, you certainly can't hear specific voices. You can hear the boos and the cheers, but um, it's it's the relationship with the coaches that that are the most challenging. But it's also the part of the game that maybe I like the most is the interaction with with the head coaches on the sideline and in the emotion and, mm. and um, that, that by far is the most challenging aspect of it, I would say. Yeah. So when you got a coach uh, uh, yelling at you, uh, what do you, what do you do? How, how do you handle that? You know, I, honestly, I love that part of the game um, because it's all a matter of perspective, right? And this is, this kind of ties in, I think to just life in general is if you have the proper perspective from the standpoint of you understand that these guys you got to think about this for a second. At a, at a high division one level, these men are literally the most powerful men, certainly on campus. Mm. And oh, in yeah. some cases, the state in which they yeah, yeah. reside in. I mean, they literally are the king more than the governor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have more power <laughs> yeah. than, you know, you think about Nick Saban in Alabama. Yeah. He, he, you know, he, he runs the show for Alabama as a state. I mean, as a state. Like yes, a I agree. <laughs> And so, you know, when he, when he, when he steps onto that football field, that's his office. And for 365 days a year, 24 seven, he is the man and he calls all the shots and no one tells him what to do. And those 80 players that are on his roster do exactly what he says he's going to do as well as his coaches. And there's a three and a half hour window on a Saturday afternoon where literally he hands you the keys to his office and says, I'm giving this over to you. And that's, if you understand that and the ego and, and mm. the power that these men have, and for them to be able to kind of submit themselves to you for that three and a half hours, you got to understand what they're doing and, and what responsibility now that puts on our plate. You can understand now why they get so emotional and so tied into this thing that if you can remain rational through an irrational moment, um, I think that's what they respect and that's what they look for. They look for someone that's in control when things are out of control. Yeah. And so it takes a level of maturity and, and just really people skills, right. To be able to communicate effectively in the heat of a moment and not lose your cool and, 
So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's challenging. What's the, uh, uh, obviously when you're doing that, you, like you said, you're developing that relationship. What's the funniest thing that you kind of said to somebody or somebody said back to you <laughs> as you're, you know, cause you're developing a positive relationship. Generally speaking, yeah. if you're doing what you're saying you're doing, they're respecting you. Um, and yeah, they might yeah. be upset about something, but I'm sure there's, there's a few funny moments. Oh, I've got, a, I've got one that just comes to mind immediately. It actually was in that BYU game. And, uh, this game is at university of Utah. So BYU's on the road. I'm on the, on the BYU sideline for the first half. And I don't know if you guys follow BYU, but their head coach is fiery, man. He's emotional. He's passionate. He, <laughs> he gets into it. And, um, it's the first quarter. And um, there's a there's a it's third down and his running back goes off tackle, gets tackled, and the head coach thinks that his running back was yanked by the face mask. Yeah. And so he I can't use his language on this podcast, but he is in my ear just screaming at me, calling me by my first name. They know everything about us, calling me by my first name. How in the world did you miss that? That's a horrible call. You're costing us, blah, blah, blah. blah. So he's screaming at me. Play goes on, and uh, a couple plays later, there's a punt play. And he has a gunner on the outside that releases, and he thinks he gets held. So, again, he's screaming at me, Jeff, you got to throw that. That's a flag. I mean, he's just letting me have it in front of national television and, and in front of 80,000 fans in the stands and the whole thing. Well, it gets to a TV break, and he walks up to me. <laughs> And he puts his arm around me and he goes, he goes, Jeff, you just need to know something. And he goes, please don't take any of this personal. Honestly, mm -hmm. I don't think either one of those was a foul. You need to know something. My fans need to think that I am behind them and my players need to think that I have their back. So if you can just play along with me on this thing, just don't take it personal. <laughs> I, said, I got it, coach. Okay. All, all right. All right. That's awesome. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. Well, we could, uh, Kathy and I are so <laughs> intrigued by this. We could spend the whole hour talking about refing, which would be kind of fun. And maybe we'll have you back and talk about that. Um, but share with us, uh, you know, uh, for you, how did you come to know Christ uh, in your life? What, what led you to that? And at what point did you accept Christ as your Savior? Well, you know, for those, for those that know me well, won't be surprised by this answer. You know, I found God through, through two of my biggest loves at the time, and that was sports and girls. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up in a, I grew up in a wonderful home. Uh, my parents are still married, still alive to this day, incredible parents. But when I was, when we were growing up, we didn't go to church. I didn't know the Lord. Um, you know, I would, I would go to, to youth group because that's where all the the guys went and all the cute girls were and, <laughs> and went to summer camp occasionally at, you know, Christian summer camp, but never really hurt. Honestly, I never heard anything about a personal relationship with Jesus. It was just kind of a, I believe in God. I'm good with that. This Jesus thing. And the fact that he died on the cross for my sins. Okay. He raised from the dead. That's pretty cool. I'm, I'm all in on all that and, but never had a relationship. And so mm -hmm. I go away to college playing basketball in college. It's my first year. So I'm a freshman of all times, and I meet a girl at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes mm. meeting. Oh, no way. <laughs> and um, so we're going, and we're starting to date, and we're starting to get pretty close. And I really like, she's a couple years older than I was, and really a strong follower of God. And I was drawn to that, right? And uh, it got to a point, we were about halfway through the semester, we've been dating, and and she said, you know, I, I can't continue to to date you because we're just not aligned spiritually and and it really crushed me and it really forced me into a place of reflection and uh, i'll never forget it it was the middle of um it was the middle of december and i was in my dorm room by myself in the middle of the night and i got down on my knees and i just said god i don't know what this is about i don't understand this personal relationship with jesus stuff but i want it and i want to go there and from that moment forward my life changed pretty dramatically. Mm. Um, got very involved in Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I started attending a camp in the summers. I was a counselor called Canacuck yeah. in Branson, Missouri. You guys may have mm -hmm. heard of that. Hey, my uh, my kids, all three of my kids uh, went to Canacuck many, many years, and they all became counselors at Canacuck. Love uh, it. And by the way, when they were there, maybe this was true for you, um, there's this guy that showed up that did worship called Michael W. Smith. 
Uh, and they got to they got to know uh, Joshua or, or excuse me Peter uh, Christina Michelle uh, pretty well because he they were always there when he was there. Um, and he is he is has such a great heart. And then we, by the way, uh, attended a, a concert that he gave in Colorado Springs um, uh, not too long ago. And we brought them with us to the and and because of Rick Hoover knows the manager of Michael W. Smith. Rick Hoover's mm. our our worship leader, and uh, so he arranged for us to meet Michael W. before the concert. And so he comes out, and they start talking about Canuck and hey, I remember you guys and. Uh, it, it was it was amazing. So yeah, that yeah. that's that's quite a thing that's that you so quite a, quite a thing that you did. Yeah, yeah. He I have would, to, I'm going to interrupt you real quick, yeah. Jeff, and just uh, yeah, you've got to meet my husband sometime, because Dan's whole testimony is he became a Christian through FCA in college. Very yeah, cool. when he was at the Very Air Force cool. Academy and, and FCA, and a lot of um, what the Bible that he and his friend went to an FCA that night. And we're hearing all these things and not really fully understanding, you know, what they didn't have that was there, came back to the dorm room, he and his best friend, and picked up a Bible that a girl had given him a year before at when he was at Virginia Tech, not at the Academy, who was the first girl who ever said no to him because mm. he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> and she gave him a Bible. And to this day, we, you know, she, does, she has no idea, but she gave him that Bible. They opened that Bible up and the two of them prayed to receive Jesus. How about that? But How another about FCA that? story though. Yeah. You know, God, God another knows. Another girl rejection story. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a key that fits each one of our hearts that looks a little bit different. And for mm -hmm. mine, and it sounds like your husband, they were the same key. And that was, <laughs> that was sports and, and, and ladies and yep <laughs> and uh god has his ways that's for sure yep that's so fun so yeah canacuck was very influential in my life and then um and then then i kind of got you know out of when i graduated from college i got thrust into the business world and um then then things kind of got real i'll be honest with you you know it's when you're in college and you're in that cocoon and i was surrounded mm -hmm. by believers and and I was, I was participating in college sports. So I was busy, busy, busy. And, and, and then all of a sudden you get thrust into the world, I'd like to say. And, and things, things got really challenging for me in my faith, to be honest with you. Um, before I was in full, before I've been, went into full-time ministry, I was primarily in the professional sports world for many, many years. I worked for Fox Sports uh, for, for a long time. Uh, I was with the Houston Rockets in their front office with the NBA team there. And, and that is, that is certainly an industry, the entertainment industry. I really mm -hmm. call it the entertainment industry. The entertainment industry is, is a very worldly place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my faith was challenged on multiple levels and, uh, and really struggled. I'll be honest with you, made, made a lot of mistakes during that season of my life and, and really, really had a challenging time coming to the coming to this this reconciliation of of faith and life right mm -hmm. how how does my faith really truly apply in a daily basis in the business world and um i really struggled finding the answer to that you know i think the church uh i love the church but i think the church really struggles with business leaders they don't know what to do with them and the church typically looks at a, as a business leader, as maybe a priest would view a king from the standpoint of, mm -hmm. I'm going to rely on you to be primarily uh, the one that's going to write the check in order for me to do what God has called me to do. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so kind of Interesting. Two different, there's two different paths. You're either going to be the funder of ministry, or you're going to be the one that does the ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the enemy does a really good job of taking those that are successful in the marketplace and kind of puts you in this guilt box of, yeah, you're really not going to be the one that's ever going to truly make an impact on the kingdom. That's going to be the priests. So I'm just going to use you to just allow you to write a check and you'll feel good about mm. yourself. But really your ability to impact the kingdom beyond that is limited to this. I mean, that's a huge lie. Yeah. And I believe that for a long time that, man, I, I'll never really make a difference unless I, sell everything, move to India, and <laughs> right? Um, and so that was, that was a lot of my struggle uh, during that, that portion of my life. Yep. How did, uh, 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 we actually met, uh, Kathy, we met Jeff through his wife, uh, Sherry, 
uh, who's an interior designer um, and Linda's an interior designer and she needed some assistance for her, her own place. Mm. Uh, and she was introduced to Sherry who, you know, did this. Uh, she actually helped us set up our whole retreat concept, uh, which is this, uh, in our house, I don't know, you've been there, I think, um, we have this huge room and Sherry came up with this great idea to have a basically a rotating couch, L couch, that we can set at in, in an intimacy with our family. When we do a retreat, we move it back to the wall and then we have everything around it so we can get 20 mm-hmm. people comfortably seating in this retreat home. She came up with this great concept. So uh, we met we met her through that and then uh, Jeff uh, met Jeff recently and he attended our abiding retreat, which she'll talk about. But how did you come to know Sherry and how did that all come about that you got, you got married? Yeah, so crazy story. I, I moved to Dallas right out of school. And uh, needless to say, one of the first thing I did is went to a Dallas Mavericks game. I didn't know anyone in mm-hmm. town hardly at all. And at that time, Sherry was working for the Dallas Mavericks. And uh, so I'm sitting in a, a section similar to where she was working. Uh, she had some sponsors down on the floor that she was entertaining. And, and before the game, literally, I'd moved to Dallas a week before this. Before the game, I... Um, I saw her and we made eye contact and I'm a pretty, I'm normally a pretty shy guy, but for whatever reason, I motioned for her to come over and we started talking and she says, what do you do for a living? I said, I work for a really small company. We just moved to Dallas. We just opened up an office here. She goes, well, who is it? I told her the name of the company and, um, and she says, oh, really? My friend works there. And I'm thinking, how's that possible? There's like three guys in the office. (laughs) And she goes, yeah, my friend, his name's Peter. And, and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And so in my mind, I'm going, sweet. I know how to get a hold of her now <laughs> through my buddy that I work with in the office after the fact, right? <laughs> and so um, long story short is this. Um, Peter, unbeknownst to me, had tried to set me up with Sherry on a blind date. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a couple of days before. And she said, I'm just too busy right now. There's too many home games. And uh, so long story short, he had tried to set me up with her. We met uh, on our own or God introduced us and we met and married nine months later. Wow. Wow. I love it. That's awesome. So it was very <laughs> quick. Fantastic. And how many uh, kids do you got? We have two kids. Uh, we have our daughter, uh, Lindsay, who's married and lives in downtown Denver. And then we have our son, Peter, who's 18 years old. Neat. Neat. He a senior this year then? He is. Okay. He is. Yeah, that's uh, Pete. Pete has been he's been the challenge of our life. And that's probably another episode. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's going to he's going to graduate this year. Yeah. And how many how many how many years you've been married now? We have been married. It'll be uh, 31 in October. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, you guys uh, just a joy to have you guys together and see you see how you love life together with uh, walk with God um, as you. Uh, Think about, you know, your career and uh, and then particularly where you are now with your ministry called the Remnant. Um, tell us some God moments and how how you were led into that, uh, and then tell us about the Remnant. What are you What are you doing right now? Yeah, thank you for that opportunity. Um, you know, when I was uh, when I was in Houston and I was working for a Fortune 500 company there, and um, honestly, I thought this is going to be my last job. I'm going to retire. I was 35 at the time. I'm thinking I'm going to work five more years. I'm going to retire. I'm going to play golf. That was was kind of my very shallow goals at that time in my life. And um, I joke around and I say, I made a mistake. And I, I went on a mission trip with my church Mm -hmm. Um, and we went to, uh, we went to Poland. I don't know if you've been in that part of the world or spent much time there before. Yep. Have. But it's, as you guys know, uh, the oppression there is, is tangible. You can taste it in the air. And we were visiting one of the concentration camps, Birkenau. And um, it's one of the famous camps there. And it, it's a work death camp. And, and there's a famous picture. You have the gate of, gates of Birkenau and the train tracks would come through those main gates. And they would come in about 150 yards. And, they, and literally the track ended right there. The trains mm-hmm. would pull in and stop. And I'm standing at the end of these tracks. And to my left is, is the work camp where they would, they would process the healthy and they would go and work. And then to my right, about 100 yards to my right, mm. is the gas chambers mm. where they would take the elderly and the sick and, and 
whoever else and they would they would process them and, and right. gas them wow. and i'm literally standing at this place and i mean i could feel it it is on me in a big way this oppression and i'm mm-hmm. and i'm crying and and i'm i feel like i'm having a one-way conversation with god and that conversation is basically me complaining and it's just <laughs> saying god i don't understand you know i'm crying why 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 did you why did you allow this to happen this such evil these are your people that kind of a that kind of a moment and all of a sudden he speaks to me and he says to me do you want what i have for your life mm. and it really took me off guard i get emotional even now thinking about it it took me off guard because um it had nothing to do with what i was thinking about what i was talking about what i was crying about he just says to me in a still voice he just says do you want what i have for your life and and I I didn't know what to say, it it shook me that much. Mm-hmm. Sherry was not with me on this particular trip. I go home after this trip, and I get back, and she could tell that I'm just seriously rattled. And she's like, "What happened?" And I explained it to her. So we fasted, and prayed for about thirty sixty days, and and just asked God, "What what does this mean? And what what are you what are you asking me to do?" And I'll be honest with you, I thought. This is the way my life with God had worked to this point. He would, I thought I surrendered everything to him when I came, came to know the Lord my, my freshman year. But what I realized is there was many parts of my life that I've yet to surrender. And so the way it would work with me is I would give it to him. I'd surrender this area of my life to him. He would bless it. And he would give it back. And then I would surrender this area of my life and he'd bless it and give it back. And I said, okay, I understand the economies of God. All I have to do is surrender this thing to him and he'll give it back to me in a better form. Mm-hmm. And so when he said, you want what I have for your life, I knew that he was talking about my career, my profession. He said, are you willing to surrender this to him? So I said, okay, I get how this works. So I gave him my career and this time he kept it. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, okay, now I have something for you different. And that's through a journey of discovery. He led us to leave Houston and brought us to Denver to start this ministry and we've been at it for the last 16 years. And during that time of fasting, that's when he gave me that purpose statement that I quoted to you earlier, to unite, develop, and mobilize leaders around the world to utilize their time, talent, and treasure to advance the kingdom. He gave that to me, one of the greatest gifts that he's ever given me. And so now that's become the filter for which I make decisions in my life. Does it fit? Is this what God's called me to? Whatever opportunities presented to me, because if it falls through that filter, I know that the favor goes before me Mm. and I don't have to work. It's not a job. It's just, I'm just operating in the flow of what he's called me to do. And so that's where I've tried to stay over the last 16 years. And it's led me to what now is called the remnant and what the remnant is before in the early years of my ministry, I kind of did, if I could use a military analogy, it was like um, basic training for men. And so it was open to any guys that wanted to come. And so it started out with me and three guys in a boardroom and the Lord just kept blessing it over the years. And it ended up at its peak. I was probably, there was probably about 150 guys that were coming. We'd meet in a ballroom at a, at a hotel and I would teach for 30, 40 minutes. And then I'd break them up into small groups, traditional men's kind of a deal. And then God one day said to me, okay, I'm going to shift models on you. And I want you to go to more to a special forces model. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And I want you to pick the men that I see him speaking to me, that I see as the remnant, the guys that are dialed in, that are committed, that I want to trust my covenant to. I want to trust mm. my promises to, um, because they're, they're going to stick with me through thick and thin. So I, and he gave me the names of the men that I was to start with. And uh, so now um, I've been doing that for the last six, seven years. And um I have 24 men that, that I pour into and they pour into me. And it's a wonderful journey of, of pouring into men that have a significant influence, whether it's through their business or, or their ministry, or um, I have a pastor that's, that's with me. So I have guys from all walks of life from age 27, all the way up to 82 Mm. (laughs) and everything in between. Do you, um, uh, do you, uh, 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 your structure with that? Are you having group sessions and then individual sessions? How do uh, what what kind of things do you do with that? 
That's exactly right, Rich. So I have, I've broken up those 24 guys into four groups. Yeah. And I meet with each group once a month for an entire afternoon. So we peel off a Thursday afternoon from 12 to five and we'll dive in together um, as a, as a smaller group into whatever topic the Lord has, has us in. Uh, and then I meet with each guy individually one-on-one each month. Mm. Yeah. So of course in individual coaching and discipleship and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so, beautiful. yeah that's the model. That's now, beautiful. is this something where those 24 are then pouring into others as well, or they, yeah. they have a sphere of influence and, and God is just using that. Can you explain any of that? You bet. Yeah. We, we haven't formalized a, you know, step down discipleship process. I've <laughs> mm-hmm. tried to do that in the past and in, in we found at least for us, that it's um, it, it's better to just push them back into their spheres of influence uh, that they're already operating in. And that's where it becomes most natural for them. Yeah. However, very organic that way. Yeah, yeah. very organic approach, and uh, but not without accountability. It's not mm-hmm. you're just going to come here and take and keep it. But uh, I'm constantly requiring and encouraging and spurring, mm-hmm. <laughs> in some cases, spurring them on to. Uh, to take what they've been given and give it away, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's, that, that is as Rich has been teaching me in our one-on-one time, um, you know, that's the, that's the essence of the covenant, yeah. right? Yeah. Is we are, we, he's blessing us, not so that we can just stay in our blessing, but mm-hmm. he's blessing us so then we can become a blessing to others. And, that's right. uh, and that's, that's part of the, the process that many in the church just don't understand, mm-hmm. right? And I think we're at fault for that. When I say we, leadership, um, and, and the church itself has kind of set up this consumer-based model yeah. that people come to consume, and we're not we're not doing enough, in my opinion, to say, okay, that's wonderful to consume, but it's to consume to give away. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So we're trying to model that as yeah. best we can. Yeah. And you're sitting there uh, in your studio, uh, which I came and visited, and uh, Kathy, I... I uh, uh, saw how fantastic his technology is. Ours is good. Uh, his <laughs> his is a level up. So our our aspiration for you and I is to get to that point. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's even he's even got which he's not even using right now, but he's got a his camera on a uh, a, a bar t- uh, boom that can move back and forth and get get different angles. So when he has it, and he's got next to him a chair that is a guest. So Jeff's sitting in his. Uh, beautiful studio where you do podcasts uh, called uh, The Pursuit. What Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so The Pursuit is really just an extension of the remnant. And uh, so, you know, as we would, as we sit down and we talk about these, these hidden treasures, right, these secrets that God is revealing and exposing to us um, through our abiding, we're like, man, these are, these are secrets the world needs to hear. Mm-hmm. And what about if we just expanded our ministry and, and threw up a couple cameras and a few microphones and turned on some lights and just kind of recorded conversations, much like you guys are doing right here. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes myself and my, my, um, the gentleman that, that, that kind of co-leads uh, this podcast, sometimes it's just a camera on he and I, like you guys do, and you talk about a topic and what is God teaching and what is God showing you and diving into the topics that just aren't being discussed. Mm-hmm. And then we, like you, bring on subject matter experts to talk about whatever God's doing in their life. Uh, everything from, gosh, we've had, we've had pastors in Jerusalem to doctors to um, former drug addicts to um, people that are, are dealing in sex trafficking, not dealing mm-hmm. in it, but helping to heal and, and, and right. you know, face the issues. And, and uh, so, yeah, we're just kind of unpacking it and having deep level conversations that we think people need to hear. Yeah. And, and if, if somebody wants to uh, join that, uh, just, just put up on you, is it YouTube and Spotify and Apple, uh, the, the pursuit, right? Yeah. Just, just go Google the pursuit. If you put my name at the end of that, that search it, it's a little bit easier to find. Yep. The pursuit, uh, the pursuit, Jeff Hutchin, um, yeah. uh, and, uh, pursuit, Jeff, the pursuit, Jeff Hutchin, uh, and uh, because of what Jeff's up to, uh, which we're you know p- compadres on this, is the more people we can we can uh, reach and talk to, and you can spread the news so that you know the better for everybody. Um, yeah. And I know Jeff, um, uh, as you've grown in your uh, spiritual walk, you know you and your wife attended a abiding retreat uh, that Living Waters put on recently, and uh, it really captured you uh, about 
your your relationship and what abiding looks like. So maybe you could share a little bit with our audience. Kathy and I, over the last several weeks, have been getting into the depth of abiding mm-hmm. uh, and talking about uh, journaling and the, the, the difference between Bible study and, mm-hmm. and abiding. Uh, and maybe you can share some of your experience with that and what, what that's meant to you. You bet. You know, it's uh, I've never been a big journaler until now. So thank you, Rich. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, and, and the reason why I wasn't a big journaler is because I didn't, I didn't understand the purpose behind it. I, I, there wasn't like a, there wasn't a purpose for me. I didn't understand mm-hmm. the purpose behind it. So, right. um, but, but back to you, the point you made, and I love how you said this, you, you're making a delineation between Bible study and abiding two very, very different things, mm-hmm. especially for those of us that are in ministry. Typically, what I was finding for myself is I was going into scripture with one of two mindsets. I was either going in with a mindset of reading an historical document that I want to learn more about the history and and what other people did and what God did and all those wonderful things. So there's kind of that mindset, which is kind of our natural mindset, like you would if you were going to school. (laughs) Or I would go into scripture with the mindset of I got to come up with a message. I got to come up with the word right. that I'm going to share with my men that are fresh. That's fresh. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and what I, and not that either one of those two approaches is a bad thing. It's, no. it's not that at all, but what I was missing is the most important. It's like, right. you know, the most important part of an Oreo cookie is not the two sides. It's the cream in the middle. Right. <laughs> I was missing, mm-hmm. I was missing the cream in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and that's what you revealed to me through the, through the time that we spent at your home was in this retreat was how to get the cream in the middle and, and what I was missing, man, it's just so obvious now. What I was missing is personalizing the word. Mm-hmm. I would go in and I would learn the truths of God. And I'd say, okay, God says this, that, that he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. That's what the word says. What I was failing to do, slight change, is to go, you know what? No, personalize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He will never leave me. Right, right, right. <laughs> he right. will never forsake me. That's just one small example, but it's, and it sounds minor, but, and this is what I'm challenging my guys in now, Rich, and you'll, you'll be proud of me, is I'm leading them through this process, and I'm, we're, we're actually exercising this. We're getting into it, and I'm saying, okay, let's get into this scripture. What does it say? Right. And all of a sudden, they'll do the same thing I used to do. They'll go into teach mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll say, well, God says that he will never leave us, and he'll never, I go, stop, time out. Don't teach me. Tell me what he says to you. Yeah, right. There you mm-hmm. go. There you go. And that's that's been the biggest shift. And that's where things have just opened up wide for me. And God's begin to speak to me in so many different ways. And it's it's just been an incredible, incredible journey. Yeah. It's and in- interesting. One of the things you're describing right there, I think so many times we see so many pastors who get so weary and so drained, honestly, and, and burnt out, especially in New England. You see that a lot. Um, Cause it's hard, it's hard soil up here, yeah. but um, we see that. And often it's that they are, they have gotten into this mode of preparation. Time with God is in preparation because Sunday's coming and that sort of thing. And yet then you'll have this little sliver of light that steps in a guest speaker will come in. Who's not prepared whatsoever. And they're simply sharing what they know of God. And you see the church light up. And I've seen this so many times and that's what you're describing there. I think there's such a difference from when we talk to somebody about the word of God and give them knowledge. And when we share with somebody what we know of him personally, and when pastors start doing that and start, you know, finding the cream in the middle of the Oreo (laughs) and then sharing from experience rather than simply from preparation, I think we see the world ignite for Jesus. I'll tell you, Kathy, that's a great point. You know, the, the other, the other, the other way that this is making a huge difference in my ministry, I'd mentioned my format. So I have, I have the group sessions and I have the one-on-one. I tell you what, what God has given me in the one-on-one sessions mm-hmm. is, you know, scripture talks about, we are to pursue wisdom and we also are to pursue understanding two very different mm. things. Oh, that's and, good. And, and, and what's happening in my counseling times or just my time of just sitting and just listening to whatever issue the guy is bringing to the table or whatever thing he chooses to bring to that one-on-one mm-hmm. meeting, what I'm, I'm, I'm hearing differently now, uh, not him, but him. Right. And, yeah. and I'm getting, I'm getting words and, and scriptures are coming to my mind. And, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's such a, I think it's a much richer time 
mm-hmm. that I'm able, a much richer value that I'm able to offer these men in this one-on-one time than I was before. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I literally have a fresh word. I mean, like right. on the spot, fresh word for that moment in that season, right that's relevant to their yeah. world in that, in that, yeah. in that the moment. Holy spirit alive and active through you and then through them as well. And interacting in the meeting. I love that. Yeah. It's beautiful. And as you, uh, I know you've, uh, you said that, uh, you've really now enjoyed journaling, uh, and you, you showed me a little bit of it, uh, which was quite exciting to me because I was able to, uh, experience what you've heard from God uh, and the process of, of why journaling is so important. You know, tell us a little bit about your shift to that and what, what it's meant to you and how do you do that? What, what is, when, when you say journaling to, to our audience, what would you, how would you describe it to them? Yeah. Again, I'm a, I'm a kind of a type A guy, so I like to have a plan. And so that's why journaling freaked me out because I would open up my book, <laughs> my notebook, and I'm like, I don't know what to write and mm. I don't want to write the wrong thing. <laughs> and you get paralyzed by that, right? <laughs> Is it in the right order? Yeah. You know, all this stuff. And I just get hung up and I just forget mm-hmm. it. I just close it and move on. But, um, you know, Rich, one of the things you taught me was you gave me a little bit of a process. It wasn't so rigid that you have to follow this path, but it was enough of a, a path that, that at least got me started. And so mm. I've, I've seen it evolve over time here. In, in my journaling, but, but typically the way it goes is I'll just start my time just praying and saying, Father, lead me, Holy Spirit, take me where you want me to go today. And I already kind of have a theme that he's been working on me and in words that he's been sharing with me. So I kind of have that direction and then I just follow it. And, and, and where, where, where my heart gets grabbed in the word, that's where I'll start. And I'll write that scripture out completely. Uh, it could be, it could be one verse. It could be a series of verses. It could yep. be a whole chapter in some cases. Yep. And I'm writing that out. And then, and then where, what I'll do is I'll stop and I'll reflect and I'll just go back over those, those verses that I just wrote. And, and I will circle words and phrases that, that is spoken to me, yeah. that I know he's saying something to me in that phrase or in that mm-hmm. word, and I'm circling them. And what's, what's crazy to me, what's crazy to me is after I'll circle those, and, and I may cross-reference and I may have two or three other verses that tie into the different aspects of the original verse. But as I go back and as I scan the things that I've circled or underlined or starred or whatever, a, a narrative rises out of it. It's, it's crazy. Um, a narrative will rise up that, that becomes a letter to me. Yes. And that's what I'll do next. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Is I'll, is I'll just that. write, I'll just literally at the top of the page, I'll say, what is God saying? Yeah. And, and I will, and I, I'm getting better at it, but I have to force myself to personalize it, not teach, yeah. personalize it. Use words like I, me, um, not they, us, we. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and personalizing this, and, and it's amazing what comes out of that and what he's shown me and what he's revealed to me about me and about, more importantly, about him, right? He's mm-hmm. trying to teach me about his promises and his character and in the things that he thinks about and the things that, that he desires for me. Because I think it starts there first. If, if I can begin to believe that my father in heaven really does have all of these things within him, which he does, then that then sets me up to then walk in the identity that he's called me to. But it, I, it starts with trusting in him. Mm-hmm. If we don't trust in him. It doesn't matter what sonship looks like. We got to trust right. in him first. And then, then he begins to, what he's been doing for me is weaving into that okay, now let me tell you a little bit about you and let me tell you about how I think about you and let me tell you what is available to you if only mm-hmm. you would abide, if you'd stick and stay with me. Yeah, so yeah. And, the, uh, and one thing you're, you know, the way you're describing it, uh, Kathy and I have talked a lot about this, is, and you're expressing it uh, nicely, um, you're rejoicing, you're having joy, uh, you're alive with this. Uh, describe that, uh, why is what you're doing, journaling, processing, receiving, uh, dialoguing with God, why is that a joy to you? You know, it's, it's a joy to me because it is, uh, I'm learning truth about myself that the world would tell me mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the scriptures that is just really speaking to me right now 
is uh, is Joel chapter two in Joel chapter two. Yeah. In verses twenty one through twenty seven. And, and to be really transparent with you guys, one of the, one of the struggles that I have right now, one of the hurdles that he is taking me over, uh, and one of the pits that he's pulling me out of is one of, of a lack of forgiveness of self because of past mistakes Mm. that I've made. (laughs) And so the reason why it brings me joy when I do this is because in Joel chapter two, it talks about that, that he will, get, this is amazing. He says, I will restore the former reign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In other words, those things that you thought you lost, the moments that you thought were, were, were lost, the inheritance that you thought you lost, those relationships that, that you thought were destroyed. He says, only I can do this. Only mm-hmm. I can restore that which was once just desolate. I can bring that back. Mm-hmm. And, and I can bring you back in a new way, in a fresh way, yeah. in a way that you could never dream or imagine. You know, it's all encapsulated within the story of the prodigal son. You know, when, when the son came back, he's the, he's the living example of what I'm trying to describe here. He literally wasted his entire inheritance. He blew it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and when it came to, he, he was at a crossroads. He, he became, he could either be convicted or he could be, be condemned. And he chose to be convicted, which draws us back to the heart of the father. And so mm-hmm. when he comes back to the father, he had, what's amazing about the prodigal son, he had no expectation. He said, maybe, just maybe I can eat with the servants. At least I'll get three square meals a day. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. It's going to be way better than what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was literally his expectation. That right. was his hope. Yeah. But what did he get? He got everything restored yeah. plus some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the heart of God. So, man, that's why I have joy because I'm like, there's hope for a guy like me that's made the mistakes that I've made. If you're telling me you, you can restore these things, mm-hmm. I'm in. Oh, man. And the, um, uh, you know, Jeff, uh, I know as you've gone through this, because you've asked this question, which everybody does uh, as you're learning it. Um, the question uh, that Jeff asked was, when does God release you uh, from the place he has you in the scripture? Um, and it's, it's really based on two questions that he's going to ask us, uh, one of which, uh, and Kathy and I are in the middle of this discussion in our podcast, is uh, do you believe it? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have faith for this? And, we, and we've talked about that. And then secondly will be, are you experiencing it? So that as you're, as you're describing what you're going through with uh, forgiveness and uh, Joel and other verses, he doesn't want you to know about that. He says, don't leave this until, <laughs> until you have it. I'll give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. Stay with me until you have it. And it'll be, do you believe it? And are you experiencing it? Um, and again, the joy of that is there's no rush to that. It's not like, well, I, I got to get there by Wednesday. No, no, you don't. You know, just enjoy the walk. He'll release you when, when he tests you to say, you know, are you living it out? You know, so... Uh, as you're learning that, particularly about faith uh, and believing, you know how is that how is that developing for you as you're learning that piece of it? It's a great question. You know, the if I could take us back to football for a moment, yeah. The uh, the analogy that comes to my mind in officiating, you experienced it, Rich, just the other day. Yeah. <laughs> um, imagine imagine if you got called out of the crowd. And that gentleman brought you down on the floor and he said, okay, now I've got to teach you the rules. And he teaches you the rules. And let's say it stopped there. And he said, okay, now you can go back and sit in the bleachers. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you experienced officiating a volleyball match? No. no. The answer is no. no. You may know the rules, Yeah. but mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter until you apply those in a real life bullets are flying situation, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I can know the rules of football and they're extremely complex, but it doesn't really matter until I have the ability to apply those when, when live fire yeah. is taking place mm-hmm. yeah. and you have 80,000 people screaming down your back <laughs> and a head coach is spitting on you. Right? <laughs> and now if, if I can take what I learned in this book and I can successfully apply it in those moments, now I can say that I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm either I'm either successful or I'm not, and you learn from that, right? Either way, you learn from that. 
And so that's kind of the analogy I think about this with the word of God. And that, that was the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees knew the rule book. Yeah. The Pharisees didn't know how to apply the rules. They didn't know how to experience the things for which they, they understood from scripture. Yeah. And so, and, and that's, that's so dangerous, man. That's so dangerous, especially for people like us that are leaders that, that are, are being called to share the word of God with other people and to disciple others. The one thing we have to guard against is, is knowledge of the word mm-hmm. um, without having the experience behind it. Yep. Right. Yeah. Because this is what I tell, this is what I tell people all the time. You can relate to this. You know, you can't take someone somewhere you haven't been yourself. Right. And, and I would be much better telling you how to get to Colorado Springs direction wise. Why? Because I've been there Yep. Mm-hmm. versus just having an idea that it's somewhere South. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Good That's, luck. Right. That is a great illustration. I know Rich teaches in his covenant study. Um, one of the illustrations he gives that ties to that is talking about how we're called to be witnesses and a witness on on a, you know, when you're testifying in a courtroom, if you get up there and I tell you, you know, if I told everybody what you knew about this situation, Jeff, what would they say to me? Mm-hmm. What would they say about that testimony? Inadmissible. It's hearsay, right? Yeah, it's inadmissible uh, right. because it's hearsay. Right. To be a true witness, you're sharing what you personally know by experience. That's exactly and that's where the power is. Yep. Yeah, well, Jeff, we've uh, uh, we've already run out of time here. We're so excited. Uh, we're going to ha- have you back, and uh, you got more stories. But you know, just your joy of expressing what you're experiencing uh, illustrates really what Kathy and I are trying to to share with the world is that, uh, and you even said it with how you deal with your guys, and you actually made this interesting statement. I don't have a plan of them discipling others. I just teach them what it means to walk with God and then they will disciple others. Yeah, um, that's the flow through. Uh, yeah. And that's, and that's what we're you know hearing from you. So we, we really appreciate it. We put up on the screen here. Uh, if you got questions uh, out of what Jeff uh, shared uh, that you want to send to us and we can either have him uh, answer these and, or we'll be happy to share with you. But uh, if you're watching by YouTube, put it in the comments section. If you're uh, listening, you can email us at, uh, uh, questions at afjministry.com, questions at afjministry.com, uh, and we will be happy uh, to do that. Uh, so, Jeff, we just uh, uh, are so thrilled uh, and honored uh, that mm-hmm. you joined us today, and uh, uh, you have so such richness going on with your life that we'll, we'll be excited to have you back and, and ca- catch up some more, and um, uh, I know you're your life experiences uh, are being fulfilled. What God gave you and said, here's my assignment for you. Uh, mm-hmm. We get to be the recipients of that uh, and you're building, you're building what God is up to. So we're excited about that. So thank you so much. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate it. Was, it yeah. was great getting to know you guys. Yeah. Know you better. Yep. Uh, you, so we'll see everybody uh, tomorrow and uh, hope you enjoyed the, uh, the broadcast with Jeff. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Come and See your podcast for truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. Send us your questions and comments and tune in tomorrow for more answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. Remember, God's will is best and none better. His truth brings peace in this world of chaos.